0: Hello and welcome to Madison Church Online. My name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor at Madison Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today, whether you're watching on demand uh, sometime later or listening on podcast or joining us at our live.madisonchurch.com gathering at Sunday. I'm just so glad that you're joining us. I'm filming this week from my home office, so welcome to the place where I do most of my work. If you're listening you're know you not going to notice anything different. Um, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. We know that uh, times are tough, that you are busy, and that there's a lot going on. And so that you would uh, carve out a little bit of time to join us means a lot to me, means a lot to our community. So thank you so much. To begin today, I want to start with a little bit of what I hope is a fun exercise. I want you to think back to a time, just a very happy moment, a joyful experience What is it for you that sticks out in your mind? Perhaps it was a birthday or uh, your wedding day, an anniversary, the birth of a child, some sort of major accomplishment. There's so many things that you could go for, but uh, just think about a time in your life in which you were very happy. For me, um, our family was vacationing in Walt Disney World when I was about nine or ten. My family did this a lot, took a lot of trips to uh, Walt Disney World, but that year was special because it was During my birthday, and that whole week was uh, just wild. So much fun, and with the Disney magic, made it even better. So not only did I get a special dessert every time we went out to eat because it was my birthday, but it was fun uh, that when we went to Chef Mickey, which is a restaurant, they let me be chef for the day. They gave me a chef's hat, which was signed by all the characters: Mickey, Donald, Goofy, and Minnie. Another time we were out the Magic Kingdom and we got on the Jungle Cruise ride which is a little boat ride and you get to see animatronic fake animals and they let me drive the boat at 10 years old but don't worry it's actually a ride so I wasn't doing anything except holding the wheel but it was still really cool for me. And then toward the end of the trip, we were at Epcot's World Showcase. We were dining at a German restaurant that had a live orchestra, and they let me, at 10, conduct the orchestra for one song. It was an awesome, fast, fun week. And I'm wondering what came to mind for you when we're talking about a good time, a memorable time in your life. What was it for you that stands out? I hope that you left it in the chat room or write a comment. We love seeing those things come in after we post the video. All of the stuff that I got to do, and I would imagine the same is true for you, that it was made more fun because of the people that you had with you, your family, your friends, even if they're not people that you get to see very often, even if they're friends that were really close a, a long time ago that you're not close with anymore, I bet that almost Every memory, every happy moment of your life, and it's true of mine, was spent with people that we care about. This isn't happenstance. It's actually the way that you are biologically and chemically wired. We are just born with this connection to enjoy being with other people. Clinical psychologist and theologian Jim Wilder puts it like this. He says that God designed facial recognition circuitry into our brains and linked it to our joy center. God designed our brains to seek joy through eyes and facial expressions through being with people who are glad to be with us. Dr. Wilder there uh, says, hey, you. Know, when we look at the brain and we study it from a physical standpoint, that when we see people, we know that it is a chemical reaction. It's biological that we are happy and we're happy to see people. It's not just psychological, but it's physically something that is happening. And so you and I, we were created to be around people. That means that the good times are made better when they're spent with the people that we love. Something just deep inside of us feels right. We can't put our finger on it, but we just feel right when we're experiencing something we enjoy with people that we love. Now, the opposite is also true. You know, something deep inside of us feels wrong. Something deep inside of us feels off when we're experiencing something tough without people that we love. And during a pandemic, that's especially true and and has been tested During this pandemic over the past year, we've had to actually stay at home and quarantine to keep the people that we love safe. And that's been a responsibility that we've all had to play a part in. But for many of us, the past year has heightened our senses of loneliness and isolation and heightened what you were probably already feeling long before the pandemic. The last 12 months is not the first time that you felt alone or isolated. I'm sure that you felt alone and isolated before the pandemic. As a matter of fact, in January last year, a couple months before the pandemic was full force here in the U.S., health insurer Cigna released a study that found that more than three Uh, five Americans described feeling alone over half of the people that they asked over a year ago, if they felt alone said yes. Well, that number has to be closer to five out of five. Now that we've been kept inside for a good part of the past 12 months that we feel this feeling alone. And you know, that's you and that's me. That's our family. That's our friends. Those are our coworkers and our neighbors who are just describing How they feel alone and they feel isolated when asked. It makes me think of something that's written in the Bible. There's actually this moment in which something is wrong with creation before sin. It's this interesting concept and idea to me that God is creating everything the heavens and the earth and the land and the sea and all of the plants and animals. And every time he creates something, he gets to the end of it and he says, That's good, that's good, that's good that's good. And then he creates man, one man, a human. And he says, that's good. And long before Eve encounters the devil in the garden of Eden and bites some fruit she's not supposed to eat, God says something isn't good. Let's read Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So there we have it. God says, it's not good for you to be alone. God knew the way that he had created us, hardwired it in our brains to be in relationship, to be in community with other people, to have a connection. And so because of that, feeling lonely and feeling isolated can be some of the worst pain that we feel as human beings. Feeling disconnected from other people can make us feel like we don't belong, that we don't fit in. And that sense of isolation can be very painful. And that sense of loneliness and isolation and this idea that I don't fit in is also a major factor in depression. We're going to spend the rest of our time today talking about depression as we continue our series Mind Matters. Last week we started this series of talks on mental health, mental illness, mental wellness Because we're all feeling lonely, we're all feeling isolated, and while we all worry, some of us are being dominated by anxiety. And so we talked about that last week. And while some of us, or all of us, rather, feel sad from time to time, some of us are depressed. And so let's talk about that. Let's remove the stigma and the guilt and the shame that comes around mental illness. Many of us are suffering, one way or another, and there is no reason for us to feel ashamed or guilty. It's okay to not be okay. And throughout the series, we're going to talk about what what God says about these issues, what the Bible says about this, these issues, but we're also going to talk to an expert per each topic so that we, we can hear a medical opinion on these issues. Our goal of the series is that by talking about it, we can encourage you and everybody listening and watching to reach out and get help if that's needed. Now I contended last week and I'll contend this week and we'll contend next week that we're holistic people. We aren't just physical here and emotional here and spiritual here, but rather we're one person and inside of us are emotions and our bodies, physicalness, our souls and spirits. And so we're holistic people. But what that means is that our mental health can be tanking. And what's going to happen is that's going to affect our physical health and it's going to affect our spiritual health. For example, if we're so depressed that we cannot get out of bed to go to the gym or to log on to be part of a faith community or um, whatever it might be, that's going to affect us physically and spiritually. And at the same time, if we're doing everything we can mentally and physically to be healthy, but we neglect our spiritual selves, we could still end up feeling empty or like something is missing. And so in this series, we want to tell you that physical health matters, mental health matters, and spiritual health matters because they are all interconnected. Jesus talks about this when he talks about the greatest commandment. He says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to give your whole self in love to God. And that absolutely includes your mental health, your mentality. And I know, and I know that by talking about this stuff, it is difficult for many people. But that's honestly why we're doing this series. We always talk about hard things at Madison Church when people are going through hard things. And so I'm glad that you're here to join us today as we talk about depression. I hope that in this series, and I hope that today, that we're able to find some hope together. We all need hope because every single one of us are dealing with struggles. We all experience hard times. Unfortunately, that's part of the reality in which we live in. And Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. Uh, in John 16, when talking to his disciples, Jesus says, I've told you all of these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. That sounds great that we have this message, this gospel message that we can have peace. But Jesus continues. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished my victory abiding. I love that. Jesus isn't just some pie in the sky type of God who says, you know, once you become a Christian, once you begin following me, everything's going to be perfect and nothing's going to be wrong. Jesus doesn't say that when something bad happens to you, well, everything happens for a reason. Rather, Jesus says, he's honest. He says, I'm telling you all of these things because in life, you're going to have moments that suck that things are going to be hard and things are going to be terrible and things are going to be challenging, but we can find peace despite our situation and despite our circumstances because he has overcome the world. And what does that mean for us? Well, some of us, all of us are going to feel sad, down blue from time to time. That's just a normal part of life. We live in an imperfect world and we all experience sadness However, there are times in our lives where that sadness, that feeling down, that blueness is so heavy and it's just so bad. It's it's so concentrated that it limits our ability to function to the point where maybe we can't function. And it's at that point we need to reach out and get some help. It's when those coping strategies that we learn as kids and as adults when those aren't working anymore that we need to reach out and get some help. It's estimated that 17.3 million adults in the United States have had at least one major depressive episode. 17.3 million people have had a depressive episode, at least one. And the prevalence of uh, adults struggling with depression is highest and adults between the ages of 18 and 25. So if you're 18 between the ages of 18 and 25, what studies are showing is that those are the people who have the report the highest amounts of depressive thoughts. And that has been trending upward. One of the most dangerous aspects of depression is that it does lead to isolation. Depression causes us. To withdraw. And when we withdraw, our family and friends begin to think that we are just disinterested. And this is the crazy cycle because when you're feeling depressed and, and you're feeling lonely and isolated and, and you stop going out, what you really need is community. What you really need is relationships. You What you need the most is the thing that you don't want. But what happens when we begin to withdraw is that our family and our friends, people who do love and care about us, they just think that we're disinterested. They don't not care about you. They just think that they're caring by you by giving you the space that they think you want. And what happens in this cycle is that we really do begin to believe that I don't fit in. So what happens when we feel this way? What happens when the sadness keeps us from functioning. What happens when we feel like we've been really disconnected from other people? Well, let's bring in an expert to talk about that today. Well, I have with me again Elizabeth Meehan and this week we are talking about depression in our mind matters series and really hitting the topic of I don't fit and like how I said everybody worries but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have anxiety. Everybody feels sad but that doesn't mean that they have depression. So how does somebody know that maybe they have depression or they are depressed?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Everybody does feel sad. Everybody even may go through a day or two of depression. Really, when we start to worry about that is kind of when we hit the mark of two weeks of that overwhelming sadness or some of those symptoms of depression, not just a day or two here and there, but really a solid two weeks of feeling these things almost every day.
0: Okay. No, that's a great benchmark. You might feel sad a couple of days or something might happen. So for a week, but once you're getting into the two weeks, perhaps it's time to, yeah. What other symptoms? So it's similar to that question, but what symptoms would somebody who is depressed might they feel?
1: Yeah, I think heavy sadness is one of them. I've had some clients describe that as a fog. Some describe it as a thick, heavy cloud that hangs over them. They can't see the light through it. Some have described it as feeling like they're drowning. I think one that gets missed a lot is just not enjoying things that you used to enjoy. So things that you would have enjoyed before, maybe time with your kids or time with your spouse or significant other no longer sounds fun to you. Those are some symptoms as well that may or may not accompany that deep sadness.
0: Is there, so you said two weeks, which to me is like very practical. I can keep track of that. Are there a certain amount of symptoms somebody has to have to be diagnosed with depression?
1: Not necessarily. There are many different forms of depression. So if you're looking at like what kind of diagnosis does a therapist give, there are all different kinds of criteria that we look at. Some other things that someone might look at is fatigue how much sleep are you getting and are you still feeling really tired when you wake up? Even if you're getting enough sleep, Um, that lack of pleasure in doing things, that deep, overwhelming sadness, maybe kind of lethargy, a lack of energy, um, lack of willingness to kind of get up and go where that didn't used to be a struggle. So, you know, it depends on what type of depression you have. There are different qualifications, but any one of those can qualify you for a a depression diagnosis.
0: Okay. Okay. And, you know, there, we don't know who's watching or listening all the time. They may be part of our community or they're just searched something on YouTube and found this. But I think that it's possible that some people are wondering what causes depression. And that sounds maybe a little bit like a trick question. It's not meant to be. But if, if someone were to ask us right now, hey, what causes depression? What would we tell them?
1: Yeah, I think depression can have a lot of different causes. One that often gets overlooked is a hormonal imbalance, which can be pretty easily corrected. Another one is Lack of sleep. A lot of times that can lead to a lot of poor symptoms. There are a lot of current studies that talk about how what we eat can affect our mental health, and depression is one thing that is impacted by our diet quite strongly. Um, There are also some genetic tendencies towards depression, whether that's a nature versus nurture thing, I'm not sure we can tell 100% of the time. Maybe that's how we learn to cope with sadness or frustration because it's what we saw our parents do. Maybe it is a chemical imbalance.
0: there seem so, and we're a faith, we're a church, and we're talking about this through kind of the faith informed lens. When I read the Bible, um, I I think I see depression. I think that it's apparent that David suffered from depression at different points in his life. Elijah suffered from depression. Um, Job definitely had a difficult time there. Although with Job's story, it seemed like everyone else was depressed around him, and he was kind of maybe sticking it out. But what well, we you say to somebody who is depressed but is also a person of faith they're Christian and maybe they're struggling with depression but they're also struggling with feeling really guilty about that
1: yeah again you know kind of mentioned last last week with anxiety like guilt means you're doing something wrong if you have depression you're not necessarily doing something wrong and shame says there's something wrong with me having depression doesn't imply that there's something wrong with you let's say it is a hormonal imbalance or a chemical imbalance that means that you were created wrong and God is our creator. So we should never blame it on God that we were created wrong, just that we maybe need to look outside of just healing from God's you know, God's hand, there are medical advances. He gave us doctors as well. And there are therapists out there to help. Um, there are great people in this world who have had depression and suffered with depression. And there are also great people in this world who have overcome depression with all the help that's out there in this world. So I I know a lot of people do question their faith when it comes to a depression diagnosis, but it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus.
0: Yeah. I heard it this way, um, this week and I thought it was cool, but how would the person talking about it kind of likened it to diabetes with depression? There might be a chemical imbalance and we can take medicine to fix that imbalance. And for some reason, people feel guilty or ashamed about that. But nobody feel guilty or ashamed if they had to take insulin because they were diabetic and their body wasn't producing enough insulin uh, or had an imbalance in that direction. And so I thought that was great because when we think about it from a chemical or even biological standpoint, we wouldn't feel guilty about having diabetes and getting treatment for that. So why do we, uh, with depression and mental health, um, what would you tell someone who is maybe realizing they thought it was just the pandemic, you know, it's just life but they heard us say that if you're feeling kind of this way for two weeks, and they're now like, I've been feeling this way for 10 months. What should we tell them? What resources do you like or recommend for somebody who's maybe waking up to this
1: right now? I think we all know somebody who's struggled with depression. And so reaching out to friends and family members um, to say, hey, you know, what's your experience with depression? Most people could connect you with somebody who's experienced that and would have some insight for you. I also think there is a lot of really great professional help out there online. I'm not going to recommend a specific website, um, but there are some great assessments that you can take online yourself to kind of determine whether or not we're at that red flag place. With depression symptoms if you are talk to your primary care provider talk to your doctor Uh, medication might be a route you want to take they can help assess for that call a therapy place get connected with a therapist who can help assess the same thing most therapists cannot prescribe medication. Most don't choose to direct you that way very quickly because there's a lot of therapy that can help as well without medication. Sometimes it is needed, and often it's best to leave that decision up to the professionals. But reach out if you're feeling like these symptoms are overwhelming and just changing the quality of your life.
0: And so somebody who's watching, maybe we've just assured them that they aren't depressed. They're just having, you know, they've had a couple rough days or, you know, in and out of seasons of roughness, but. They love someone. They know someone who uh, is checking a lot of these boxes. And as we're talking about in the message, that what tends to happen with depression is that a person withdraws, and how family and friends begin to see the withdrawal is as a disinterest. And so it's not that family and friends stop caring. It's actually kind of maybe the opposite, where they, I care about you, and since you don't seem interested, I'm going to stop bothering you. But we're challenging that, and we're saying, hey, you know, no, that's not the answer. So what can we tell people who love someone, who has been withdrawn, who's been isolating themselves for a year or longer?
1: How can we help a friend? Yeah, I think to be persistent and to offer kindness and understanding, never judgment. If you feel like they're withdrawing, to come back with harsh criticism is never going to solve that problem. But to offer kindness and a soft landing for when they are ready to acknowledge what's going on, especially if this is going on with one of your kids. You might notice that, right? That one of your kids is having some of these symptoms. To discipline that or to come down harshly on that isn't going to help or to even make judging statements um, about why they're losing friends or pulling back from friends is not going to help. But to just be a soft landing and to have that understanding, I will always tell people, if you see someone struggling or you think they're struggling, pray. God will put words of wisdom in your mouth uh, for how to talk to that person if you're looking for it.
0: That's so great. And that's what we're going to be challenging people with this week is to Uh, reach out to some people and to trust that God will help guide that conversation a little bit. um, Because we do care about those people. We're all part of this body of Christ. And uh, when one part suffers, we all suffer. Is there anything you'd want to say directly to someone who's watching or listening uh, about depression?
1: Yeah, I think probably the most clear message we can give is that you are not alone and that there is hope. There's so much hope for positive change. There are so many tools that can be taught to turn the tide on these feelings that just make you feel like you're under this heavy cloud or in this fog. And you're not alone. So many other people have walked before you and have gone through the same thing. And so reach out. Let someone know that you're struggling. You'll find a soft spot to land somewhere.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us this week. It was under uh, different circumstances than we planned for the last week, but we're so glad to have you um, again this week.
1: I love that your church is doing this, Stephen. I think it's really important.
0: If you're struggling and beginning to recognize some of what you've been feeling these past few weeks, months, perhaps years is depression. I hope that you'll take a step to reach out today. We've put together this slide, and it includes information of local mental health providers. We're giving you their phone numbers or their uh, email addresses, and you can look them up. But we recommend all of them, and they're all great, and they take insurance. And so we hope that if you're somebody who's coming around to the idea that you are depressed, we hope that you'll be able to reach out and get some help. If you know somebody who is depressed. We hope that you'll share those resources with them. Now, as I've been saying, we're going to talk to mental health experts like we just did about depression, but I also want to talk about the Bible. So what do we as Christians, and I wouldn't presume that all of us are Christians who are watching or listening, but for those of us who are listening and watching, and we are followers of Jesus, what do we do when we're walking through a pandemic with depression? Well, there's a metaphor in the entire New Testament for the church and it's the body of Christ. And when we're talking about the church in a biblical sense, we're not talking about a building. We're also not talking about a service. We're not talking about a building and a service. When we read in the New Testament about the church, we're reading about a body of believers. It's you and it's me. And when you and I and others come together, we are the church. That is a biblical definition of the church. And Paul has an analogy of it. He compares this church, this body of believers to a human body with Christ as its head. We read in Romans 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. I love that. Our bodies are made up of many parts. We have fingers and hands and arms, eyes, ears, noses, toes, feet. And each of these body parts, they're a part of one body, but they all have a different function. I use my eyes to see. I use my ears to hear. I use my feet to walk. And so it's a great analogy because... Within the body of Christ, within our church, there are people with different experiences, different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, different passions. But we all come together to form one body. In Christ, we belong to one another. In Christ, you belong to me and I belong to you. We belong to each other. And in a similar passage to another church, Paul elaborates saying that God has placed all the parts in the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I love that message that if you're part of our Madison church community, or maybe you're just checking it out, it's your first time. But if you've been with us You're part of a body of believers, and God has intentionally put you here. Your experience, your history, everything, God has put you here because he wants you here. You belong here, and as the pastor of this church, I want to say that you are a valued part of this community. But what we've experienced in the past year has not been good for the body of Christ. As I mentioned, we're hardwired biologically, chemically for relationships. And when God saw in the in the garden that man was alone, that humans were alone, he said, this is not good. And in the past year with safer at home orders and quarantining and, and things I agree with that were done to keep people that we love safe, we've experienced disconnect, loneliness, and isolation. Barner reports that one-third of all practicing Christians have reported that they've stopped attending church altogether in the last year. One-third of the body of Christ has stopped participating. They're just done. They're over it, or they've moved on, or they got disconnected, or they drifted. Whatever it may be, one-third of the body has stopped showing up. The results of that are serious. It's estimated that one in five churches will close in the next 12 to 18 months with those numbers. This is what happens when part of our body, when members of the body decide that they're not going to be part of it anymore. Whether intentionally or not, I don't assume that it's always intentional. I don't think so at all. I think what happens is, is we tend to drift. and We tend to withdraw. We, we get depressed and it feeds that cycle where people think we're disinterested. So they stop asking us and we become more lonely and isolated. And the ripple effect of that is that churches will be closing one out of five of them. And so if you're struggling today with depression, with anxiety, I just want to say that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. We all go through tough times. And if all you can do right now is show up to online church, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're part of the community, whether you're watching or you've said hello in the chat room. I'm just glad you're here. And I want you to know that you belong here. You are part of this body and we need you. You're a valuable part. And if you're doing all right today, I want you to recognize that we have a little bit of a responsibility to those who may not be doing okay. Paul goes on to say that if one part of the body suffers, every part of the body suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. There are people in our church who are hurting. They're depressed, they're withdrawing, they're lonely, and they're isolated, and they're hurting. And those of us who aren't, those of us who maybe feel sad, maybe we worry, but we're coping or we're managing, we have a responsibility to reach out to those in our community who aren't doing well. So we need you too. Those of you who are doing well, we need you to help the body out. And so the challenge today is really simple. It's just a reminder that we all belong here today and I want you to help other people in our community feel like they belong. So if you're doing all right, would you do me a favor? Would you do our community a favor? Would you reach out to three people this week? Call them, email them, text message, Facebook them, Snapchat I don't care what it is, but would you reach out to three people in our community and check on them? See how they're doing. Ask if you can help. Take a risk and put yourself out there because they might say yes, but see what you can do. If you're somebody who is in a depressive state right now, would you reach out to a few people as well? It's not just the responsibility of people to check in on you, but it's the responsibility of you to reach out to other people. Reach out to three people. Let them know that you're not doing okay. Take a chance. Be vulnerable. Say, I'm not doing okay. I feel lonely. I feel isolated. I need a phone call. I need a text message. I need an email. Can we go to the park and hang out? Days are getting longer and the weather is warmer. So we can probably do that safely. But would you reach out to three people this week if you're not doing well? And if you're a guest of Madison Church, you're just checking this out. This may be your first Sunday with us or your first month with us. Would you reach out to us by filling out that connection card or reaching out in the chat room to let us know that you're here because you belong here. You're a valued part of our community, and we're just getting started. Guys, we all go through hard times, and this season has had its fair share of them. The pandemic has been long and hard, but let's end on a promise that I hope encourages you, that I hope inspires you to keep going, and that is that we are never alone. And if you choose not to reach out to three people this week and you're suffering from depression, I still want you to know that you are not alone because God is with you. Moses is coming toward the end of his life and Joshua is getting ready to take over and Joshua is freaking out. He's anxious and he's worried. He's just overcome with all of the things that are going on. And Moses tells Joshua a promise about God, which was true for Joshua, is true for Moses, is true for you, and it's true for me. Moses says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Wherever you're at, I want you to know that God will never fail you. He'll never abandon you, that He is always with you and He's gone ahead of you. Would you reach out to three people this week to let them know how you're doing or to check in on three people who you think may not be doing well? And may God's spirit fill you with love, peace, and hope in His presence today.